scripture this morning comes from a book that it's an important book, but it's not one that we necessarily look to on a regular basis. It's the book of Job. It's the very last chapter of Job. It's verses 1 through 6 and 10 through 17. Hear now the word from God's book. Then Job answered the Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you declare to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Then picking up with verse 10. And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then there came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and they ate bread with him in his house. They showed him sympathy and comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a gold ring. The Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters. He named the first Jemimiah, the second Kezah, and the third Karenhapa. In all the land there were no women so beautiful as Job's daughters, and their father gave them an inheritance along with their brothers. After this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died old and full of days. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of God's word. Let us pray. Father God, as we hear again the story of Job, speak to our hearts what you would have us each to take away from the story of this man's life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I have always been a reader. My mom was a librarian, and she taught us early on to love the gift of reading. But I have to admit, when I first began reading, and especially as they say in elementary school, chapter books, I would pick up a book and I would flip all the way to the end and I would read the end first because I wanted to know what happened before I invested my time in reading the rest of the book. But I soon grew out of that as my love for reading grew. I got really curious. I wanted to know the whole story. What led up to that ending? 
Besides, the older I got, the more I realized that real life didn't really happen that way either. You know, there's a lot of life that goes on in the middle, you know, between our birth and our ending. Good and bad are those things that make up our lives. Suffering is real. And it's a part of our human experiences. If we always jump to the sometimes happy endings, we miss out on the lessons. We miss out on important truths that are learned along the way. And if you think about it, to jump ahead really dishonors the reality of the struggle, both of Job here in the scriptures, but also in our own lives. Because let's face it, in this life, the sores don't just magically go away without leaving any scars. Most of us just don't have our cancer magically erased or our loved ones replaced, or the wealth that we have accrued and lost restored. Real life struggles are almost always messier, and there is rarely ever a magical happy ending to fast forward to in life. And if you look at it this way, the book of Job, it reads like a fairy tale. If you only read the beginning and the end, it might sound something like this. Once upon a time, there was a man named Job. He was blameless and upright. He feared God and he resisted evil. Dot, dot, dot. And after this, Job lived 140 years and saw his children and his children's children four generations. And Job died old and full of days. The end. But, the in-between, and if you go back to Job and you decide to flip through his book and his story, there's some 40 chapters of calamities, tragedies, loss, and suffering. That was the after this that the scripture talks about. Job lost his children, his health, and his property. Unimaginable loss and suffering. Which, if you think about it, kind of shoots holes in that theory that good things always come 
to good people. Surrounded by all of the suffering and the pain, though, as we read throughout his story, we begin to see Job pull himself up and boldly and bravely confront the God to whom he had been so faithful. And this is an important thing to pay attention to. See, somewhere, somehow, we have gotten the idea that we can't be totally honest with God. We can't get mad at God or else. I don't know what that or else even is, but people think that. They talk to me about that. It's almost as if they let a truth halfway out of their mouth and then they suck it back in when they realize what they're saying about God. But Job did just that very thing. I love the way that Catherine O'Connor, one of the commentators that I read on this passage says, she said, in the midst of his dark night, he dares to tell the truth of his life to his creator. That's powerful. By lamenting and complaining and shouting his misery to the God that he believes is attacking him, he actually is able to keep his relationship with God. Can't you just picture that scene? Job finally pulling himself up out of the ashes and off, as I would say, off of his pity pot and getting on with his life. Getting on with his life. And as he gets on with his life, he does it with a whole new perspective, a whole new outlook, if you will and a deeper and a fuller relationship with God. Through his suffering and his lack of understanding or trying to justify why God did what he did, it made Job realize that he really didn't know God at all. You really didn't know God at all. You know, sometimes suffering has a way of stripping away the images that we have in place of God. And it puts us in a place where we humble ourselves before him. When we acknowledge that we cannot fully understand God and what he's either doing or what he's not doing, then we can acknowledge 
how great a God he truly is. When we get to that place where we admit there's no understanding, it's then and only then that we can glorify who he is. It makes us confess his greatness, to proclaim it to the world. It's here in his book that Job admits that he's been wrong. Wow. How many of us are brave enough to do that today? Job said in the scripture that before he had only heard of God, but he did not truly know God until he had seen God. Sometimes struggles and suffering and pain allow us to see things differently. To see things differently. But I'm not so sure that's what happened with Job. I think Job's change began to happen when God speaks to him. When God speaks to him. Having confronted God, Job is now being answered by God. And so he is changed. God truly does hear what Job has to say. God knows his heart, and he knows his intentions just the way he knows ours. But God doesn't just leave Job's complaining hanging out there in the universe somewhere. He speaks back to Job. And Job listens. He listens. And it's then at that point that things begin to change. I think a word for us here this morning just might be that even though we may not always understand why God acts the way he does, we can rest assured in knowing that he understands. He understands. He knows the bigger picture, if you will. Job, in a way, in his book, is kind of sort of giving us permission, if you will. Permission to be honest with God, honest enough to shout at him, to rail at him, to let him know how desperate we feel, and that it's okay, that it's okay. Job's whole universe had just exploded in his face. 
he had been challenged and pushed to think differently than he had always thought about everything in his life and to begin seeing things in a whole new way. All of a sudden, I guess you could say, that things got really real between Job and God. God wants that kind of relationship with each of us. Life is hard. Suffering and loss are painful. And God longs to hear our cries. And he longs to help us through. My question for us this morning is, can we love God enough? To be honest with him? We don't want to suffer. I don't know anybody that wants to suffer. But the human fact is we do. We do. But when we do, do we have the freedom to go to God and ask him, to teach us through our suffering, to humble us through our suffering, to draw us closer to him through our suffering, and to draw us closer to each other as well. And in all of that, our lives will be changed and God himself will be glorified. Let us pray. Father God, it's really hard to think about suffering and pain and struggle, but Lord, as human beings, we do that. And Lord, that's all the more reason to make sure that our relationship with you is such that we can be real about how we're feeling and to realize when we have that kind of relationship with you, Father, all things are possible and you will be glorified in and through each of our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.